Welcome to Money and Mindset with Brighton Brian, where we balance finance with positive psychology. Each episode, we give you practical advice on managing not just your finances, but your outlook as well. With a background in all things financial, I'm Brian Ford. I'm here with my homie, Bright Dixon, our go-to smart cookie on positive psychology. So last time, we talked about our individual relationships with money. But today we're diving into how our finances come into play in our relationships with others, especially our significant other. And right, I think it's interesting. I mean, when considering, you know, who we like or who we think we're compatible with, it's totally normal to think of physical, you know, attributes, emotional traits, maybe even their style, intelligence, possibly even an, you know, like an astrological sign. But what about their money habits? How should this come into play? How can we tell if we're on the same page with someone financially? So in this episode, we'll explore how finances affect our relationships and how to talk about money with our sweetheart. Right? You ready to get this romantic money party started? <laughs> you know it, Brian. Money can be hard to talk about, even with people we trust like a significant other but it's extremely important to discuss when cultivating a successful relationship. And Brian, I think we should start by sort of talking through our own relationship statuses to give everybody a little context. So right. I'm single and dating, but like not really because of the pandemic. And Brian, you've been married for like a while now, huh? <laughs> yeah, I like the term a while. That's pretty good. No, it's been 21 years. If you can believe that, I can't, but it has been. 21 years. And and I think, you know, one of the things is that money is part of a relationship from day one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't, I don't think it's really ever too early to talk about money, especially when you're dating. And it becomes even more important when you're married, for sure. And I will say, Bright, I am excited for this episode because it gets at the heart of why I got into financial education. I mean, when I was growing up, as you know, I was a total nerd. I loved the subject of personal finance. I mean, I could pick up books about the subject. I mean, like finance books and just totally devour them. In fact, I thought everyone liked finance as much as I did. But anyways, that's another subject. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I will say as I grew up and I continued to study finance and I learned about it and I, it, you know, I totally dug it. I will say when I was in high school, I had a couple friends and their parents got divorced in a relatively short period of time. And that was tough on, on my little circle of friends. And we talked about that. And as we chatted, we realized, you know, I said, well, what do you think it came down to? Like, what was the issues? And they said, ah, you know, I don't know, but they argue a lot about money. Both of them would say that. And I know from my own family that, you know, my parents kind of went through a doozy when I was young and, and it was because of money. And so this thing that I loved, kind of like someone would love soccer, it became more than just a hobby or something that I liked. It became very personal because I realized very early on that this money thing can really mess up things that matter to us, like our relationships. And I think this hobby or this like really turned into a passion for me because it became much more personal. But I'll say that, you know, financial compatibility, it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, I, I don't know, like on the same page all the time with finances. You certainly don't need to agree on everything, you know, financially. Typically, when we argue about money, we're not arguing about these little pieces of paper in our pockets and in our purses. Really, what we're doing is we're disagreeing on how to spend it. And that's an argument about what we value. 
And as soon as I started to realize that, I was like, okay, this is about what we care most about in life. And I remember, you know, after I had been married for a little while and I, I started to figure out that it's not about money, it's more about what we care most about and how we spend it and so forth. I sat down with my wife and I said, look, sweetie, let's just write down the things we care most about in life. So we did this separately. She made her list and not just like the big things like faith and family, freedom. We kept going. Like we listed out like 20, 25. I think one of us got to 30. And again, when you get kind of past the big things, you have to start listing more everyday type things. But we listed these out. We did it separately. We prioritized them. And then we came together and we started chatting about it. And it was fascinating. I will tell you, this is the honest truth. She looked at my list and right after kind of some of those big, really important things, I got that right. But right after that, I had listed college football. <laughs> and I'm sure some of our listeners are like, oh my gosh, I, I actually thought this guy was for real. And my wife seriously was like, babe, are, are you kidding? Is that real? And I'm like, yeah. It's, that's in order. I love college football. And to this day, it's still true. It's, it's, I just absolutely love it. I could watch a game just about any time. I, I follow the different teams. But she, she knew I liked college football. She didn't realize it was that high. And I kind of looked at her list and I was like, for real? That is that high? And she was like, yeah. But what was awesome, Bright, is we started to have a conversation about the things that matter most to us. Mm -hmm. And we realized the good news was we had a lot in common. The big things you know, thank goodness we had in common. And we realized that the majority of our hard-earned money needs to be spent on these big things that we have in common. But then there was some stuff that I had that I cared about that she didn't and vice versa. But instead of arguing about it in the heat of the moment, when we spend money on those things that we don't think are important, but to our partner, they are, we had a conversation about it. We could talk about it and we made allowances within our budget. So again, it's, it's fascinating. I just think that if couples could do this a little bit more often, or if they could just realize, again, it's not the money thing, it's this deeper kind of what do you really care about thing. I found that very helpful in my relationship. Yeah. And I, a couple of things I want to just sort of like highlight in what you were saying, Brian, is that, you know, one, that nugget of it's not about the spending, it's not about the money, it's about the values, right? Like that's huge because money is just a representation of what we care about. How we spend our money is just a reflection of what we care about. Yes. And you want to be aligned on what you care about. The other thing is that you had the conversation at all. Yep. Because I think there's so many people out there who are in relationships and there's this tension around money and the, you know, the sort of short-term easiest thing to do is just not talk about it or talk about it on a really surface level. And a huge part of compatibility, financial and otherwise, is this openness to discussion, to talking, to compromising, to planning. Being able to have those conversations is a huge part of a relationship sort of anywhere you are on the duration and intensity spectrum of relationships. Yep. And there has to be room along with those similar values, right? When you come to agreement on like, here's what we care about from what I care about and you care about, there's also got to be room for those divergent interests, right? Mm -hmm. I was thinking about a relationship that I was in a while ago and we were living together and I, like you value college football, right? I value a beautiful home and nice. I like my space to kind of be a certain way 
and I like to fiddle around with it and I like to buy stuff and I like to spend money on creating a beautiful environment where I live. He was not so into that and he didn't get what that was for me, how important it was and it caused a lot of conflict. And part of the reason it caused conflict is because we couldn't really talk about it. Yeah. And that relationship did not continue. I mean, I tried for a long time, but it did not continue. But you've got to be able to have this openness to conversation. And I think who your partner is, how they approach money, how you guys do that together, it impacts your own well-being, your family's well-being, the well-being of the people around you, the well-being of your partner. It's incredibly important. Yeah, for sure. Being open about money is important in a romantic relationship. Next, we'll talk about ways couples can strengthen their financial relationship. So kind of if you're in a relationship, if you're married, and then we're going to shift gears and talk about how singles can start talking about money with their potential partners. I'm going to be super nosy for a minute. When you were first dating your wife, how did you talk about money? When did you talk about money? How did you do that as our resident financial nerd? Well, look, we did talk about money for sure. I mean, by then I'd already realized how important this was. I loved the subject. I wanted to build a career in it. I think I needed to be careful not to talk about it too much. But again, for our listeners sake, I will just say that we talked about it and I think it was healthy. We would bring it up from time to time and it was casual just to kind of see where each other were at, just to make sure we were compatible. Now, I'll tell a story that comes to mind. True story. I was picking up my future wife. So we were dating at the time for a date. And I think she figured we'd probably do like dinner and a movie or something. I knock on her door and I'm like, hey, I've got these things that I want us to look at. And she's like, okay. I plopped down these massive packets on her table, her kitchen table, and it was a FAFSA. And that just stands for free application for federal student aid. We were both in college and I was like, hey, I think it would be awesome if we fill these out together. I think there's like found money here. And I'm telling you, I wish I had a recorder because her face was like, you're joking, right? Like, let's go out. Let's have fun. How romantic, Brian. FAFSA. I know. FAFSA romance, I'm telling you. So look, she wasn't too pumped on it, but she knew who I was. She knew how important this was. And and we did. We sat down. We kind of grinded it out for probably, I don't know, like an hour and a half. This was, you know, just these big applications. We turned them in. We still ended up doing some fun stuff afterwards. I think we went and got some ice cream or something. But I will tell you that a few weeks later, I mean, this ended up being like a $10,000 good thing for us once we got married. And my wife was really excited about that. That is a lot of money for anybody, especially paycheck to paycheck, starving students that can't even afford to put gas in their car, in their crappy car, by the way. (laughs) And so that was a good thing, even though it was weird. It wasn't very romantic. It was just one of those stories that reminds me of the fact that we tried to talk about these things. We tried to do things right. We tried to get on the same page as much as as much as we can. But anyways, one of those crazy things, and I'm sure my wife is not fond of thinking about that that night. Well, like, it sounds like she knew who she was marrying when she did that. She was not, you did not let her be ignorant about who you really were, huh? That's right. That's right. In fact, I mean, look, I remember when we were thinking and talking about getting married, I remember sitting in the car and I was like scared. I, and I'm usually not scared of very many things in life. I know what direction I'm going in and I feel like it's the right one. And even if I make a mistake, I don't look back always or have a lot of regrets. 
because I felt like my own happiness were, was in my own hands. But I remember before I proposed to my wife, I was petrified. And I told her that. I'm like, sweetie, I love you. I want to spend the rest of our lives together. But this is the first time I'm putting a little bit of my own happiness in someone else's hands. And it scared me. And I told her those things. So look, marriage is a big deal, no doubt. But I think something that can really help is just talking about it a little bit more often uh, and a little bit earlier than we think we should in a, in a romantic relationship. I agree. So, so let's take the case where you're in a relationship and like everything feels good, except for there's this sort of struggle around money or tension around money. What do you do to improve that? I mean, how do you start rebuilding not only sort of the relationship you have to money, but like Mm. the relationship you have to each other? Well, first, I think it's important to realize that in relationships, typically one of the partners is more financially inclined than the other. So that's me. (laughs) obviously I'll call this person in the relationship, the nerd. And I'll tell you, if you're listening to this podcast, you may be nerdier than you think. I'm not (laughs) sure, but I mean that as a compliment, but I will say that we nerds, we need to be patient. We need to realize that our relationship with our sweetheart, it's much more important than getting everything just right financially. But your question reminds me of this dude in one of my financial education classes I had been teaching this class at a company earlier. It was like six months earlier. I taught the class. We talked about the importance of emergency accounts and getting organized and automating your finances. But they had me come back six months later to do a follow-up and to kind of see where people are at and also just to continue the process of getting these folks in a better place financially. And as I was setting up for the class, this guy came up to me and he's like, hey, I I just want to chat with you for a minute. Do you have a second? I was like, yeah, I was nervous about teaching this class. I was trying to get everything right. I tried to make time for him for a second, but he said, I want you to know that you saved my marriage. And I stopped everything I was doing. I certainly wasn't nervous anymore. I looked at him and I'm like, wait, are you sure you've got the right guy? Like I'm the finance dude. I'm not the you know <laughs> marriage counseling guy. And he's like, yeah, you did. He's like, I'll tell you that my wife and I were really struggling when you were here six months ago and it was because of money and we had made the decision to throw in the towel. We were planning on getting a divorce. Mm. And he said, but what I did is I felt inspired by the class and I went home and instead of saying like, we've got to do this, sweetheart, I just said, Hey, there's this education program they're offering at work. They want us to go through it. Maybe we should do it together. And she agreed. They spent the entire weekend going through the program and then it just catapulted them forward. He said that he said a couple things that one, just by working together on something, he said it, he's not even sure if the finance thing was what really matters. Just working together towards a common goal was really cool. Mm -hmm. But then the fact that it was finance, I think even helped because that was some of the biggest issues that they were dealing with. And it helped me understand that working towards something together that brings us together and that actually helps solve a real money issue can sometimes turn things around and build momentum into, you know, going in the right direction. Oh yeah. So true. Right. It's this shift of me versus you and like my needs versus your needs to we, right. To our values, to what we want to do together. Like the us versus the world thing. Yes. And I think your point about that it can turn a relationship around is that so many of us, because of family patterns, because of you know, maybe sort of financial struggles we've had in the past. We have a ton of negative emotion around talking about this stuff and there's shame that comes up and there's fear that comes up. But really, these kinds of conversations are 
opportunities for intimacy. And when I say intimacy, I mean connection and togetherness, that there are opportunities for us to come together around what really matters to us. And so I think when you're able to sort of flip that from like, oh, there's this obstacle to, hey, we have an opportunity, it lightens things up and then you can start to talk. That sort of mindset shift is so critical to happiness around money and relationships. I agree. I loved what you said about it's us against the world. I'll tell you that tactic works. I've seen it not only with couples, but individuals, but there's all kinds of stuff going on in the world. And if we can have this mentality of like, hey, it's us, we are better together mm-hmm. and we can conquer this. And it is us kind of against the world. And I think this gentleman kind of took that attitude. Look, I don't know if he was the nerd in the relationship or not, but either way, it wasn't like the nerd elbowing the other one saying, we got to do this. It was just like, hey, there's this thing going on at work. Let's do it together. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like him pushing her or, or vice versa. So I think there's some good things to learn there from that story. It was, it was eye-opening for me, but very cool. Being nerds together makes the world go round. <laughs> so when couples disagree, there's a difference between like disagreement and it being an argument or a conflict. How do you disrupt that pattern from it being a disagreement or I see it this way and you see it that way to like we're in a fight and it's a problem? What do you do to interrupt that pattern? Well, first I'll say it's totally normal to disagree about money in our relationships. In fact, if if you don't disagree about money every once in a while, you're not normal. So realize that. And, you know, a couple things come to my mind is first, I grew up in Southern California and I grew up along the San Andreas fault. So it's a big fault line. And so I went through a lot of earthquakes growing up, several, too many to count, believe it or not, in the 90s. And I'll tell you when there was like a small earthquake, it was super cool. Whether it was in the middle of the night and we kind of got up and had to get under the door hang, or it was even better when it was like during school because things would shake a little bit and we'd all get underneath our desks. And then we would all go out to like the field and it disrupted school and I loved it. (laughs) So these little (laughs) earthquakes were awesome. But what was interesting is we all were okay with these little earthquakes because we realized that the fault line was letting off pressure. And so these little ones were actually good. And it was a good sign that okay, a big one isn't building up. And I'll tell you that when I was in high school, I went through what was called the Northridge quake in the 90s and it freaked me out. Like it woke me up in the middle of the night. I, had, I was having a friend sleep over. I was bouncing off the bed like six inches. It was so violent. I woke up screaming. I mean, in a very high-pitched voice. I've never even done that before. A bookshelf fell on my friend. Oh gosh. There was a couple freeway overpasses that actually fell within a mile of us. We could hear those. We didn't know that's what it was at the time, but these big, loud, boom, boom. Anyways, it was frightening. And so we always in California kind of got worried when there weren't these small ones kind of intermittently. And I think the same is true in our relationships. You know, with your partner, we need to communicate more often around the small things. Mm -hmm. Don't let the small money issues build up pressure into something really big. So I think that's the first thing that I think of was just communicating a little bit more often, getting the small things out on the table, so to speak. So like if something's bothering you, don't save it up. Just go ahead and put it on the table. Yeah. And you know, there's a balance to be had there as well. We all know whether it's in a relationship with a a spouse or or a partner or, or even a child, you do have to pick your battles. And sometimes, especially as a nerd, just be quiet. Realize it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Move on. So there's some of those things, I'll say that. 
But then there are the things that are like, you know what? If I don't chat about this, it will fester. I should chat about this. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of tone it down, kind of take away the emotion a little bit. And that brings me to the second point, which is just disrupting these patterns. Sometimes as partners, we'll fight over some of the same things and we'll end up getting into the same pattern of the same argument. We need to realize that pattern. We do need to disrupt it. Mm -hmm. Disrupt it by just recognizing it and calling it what it is. Disrupt it by saying, this is crazy. We do this all the time. What about doing this? Or try and interject some humor. Change the environment a little bit. Cool off before you chat. Mm -hmm. Write things down and then kind of talk about it. Start out by saying, look, I want to solve this. I'm worried about this. I love you. Whatever it needs to be to kind of disrupt that pattern, I think is a, is a good thing. Um, and then just being able to talk about the small things so they don't build up into big ones. And I think when those patterns are around, usually if something's coming up again and again and again, it means that there's an underlying issue that isn't resolved, right? Which goes back to this values question. So if, you know, if you're annoyed at your partner's spending in like one area around like, you know, cute stuff for the house or college football or whatever it is, there's probably sort of a a discrepancy in value there, which is the real conversation. Not sort of, I hate it when you spend money on those giant like thumbs up signs at the football (laughs) stadiums. You can tell how into football I am. I didn't even know what you were talking about when you started you, saying You know, the, like the fingers or whatever. I, got you I, now. I don't. Yeah, no, that's. I don't participate yeah, in, in the that's sports. That's not one of the things, but that's okay. Well, you know, there are other things. The cheeses on your head. I don't know. Oh boy. I'm just picking up what I've what I've seen in the you know pop culture. But you've got to address that underlying issue, and I think that's really the big message here. Absolutely. So enough about couples. For single people like me, dating can be tough already, and the science backs that up. A Pew Research survey recently found that nearly half of Americans say that dating is harder than it was 10 years ago. Huh, that is fascinating. I wonder why that is, but you always want to think that it was hard when it was you were doing it, but it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it's a little tougher recently. I don't know the exact reasons, but I, th- I think that part of it is that, you know, there's generalized sort of breakdown in a lot of communities and that impacts so many things, including kind of like how people meet. Right. And yeah. there's a lot about sort of online dating and how great it is. But I think in reality, people have really various experiences with that. And it's a pretty complicated thing. Yeah. And regardless of the reason, look, money issues certainly can complicate an already difficult process. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's it's hard to talk about money with someone you trust, right? We've, we've already been over how hard that is. But like, think about it's someone who you're just getting, like tr- you're trying to get to know them and you've got to, at some point, broach this money conversation. You're right. I mean, it's tough to talk about money, especially at first. But I think it's important to start talking about it early in a relationship, just so you can make sure that that person's right for you. You know, if you're on the same page financially, it can be a lot easier to get along and focus on the fun stuff. I'll tell you, that is true for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, look, Bright, I've got some questions for you as our resident single podcaster. Mm-hmm. When you are dating someone, what should you keep an eye out for when it comes to money? So I think the way that I approach this is that, and this is maybe an unromantic way to do it, but I think in some ways dating is like a very long interview process. 
And you want to be keeping track of sort of what's most important to you. And if relationship to money is really important to you, which, you know, clearly we hope it is, you want to keep an eye on that as you're going through. So when I'm going on a date, a lot of like first dates, for example, I tend to do instead of like dinner and a movie, I like first interaction is just a drink or just a coffee or whatever, so that if I'm not getting the good vibes, I can be like, well, yeah, gotta go, bye, yeah. right? I, I feel you, but isn't, like, picking the same movie, like, really important? I don't know. It is on my – I'm kidding. I know what you're saying. I love that idea because I fell into the, like, just go to a movie almost all the time when I would take out a yeah. first date. I love it. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, I love the movies, but I also, like, have my friends who I go to movies with. Plus, you don't get to really know someone yeah, exactly. in the movie, right? Like, I think for me, it's like conversation is best. And I watch for sort of what the interaction's like when the bill comes. Hmm. So here's the place where I've grown. I used to, like, just grab the bill because I didn't want to have this conversation. Hmm. I used to just grab it so that we didn't have to talk about money. Now I let it sit and I kind of wait to see how's this interaction gonna go. So I can pay, he can pay. That's not the point here, right? We can split it. That's not the point. The point is how are we going to talk about this thing right off the bat? What's the quality of the conversation going to be like? What's the openness to the conversation going to be like? How does that go? Yeah. That's advanced like Jedi dating stuff there. Well, I've been doing it for a while now. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not about necessarily the thing itself. It's, right. it's the conversation that ensues. And it's yeah. the comfort level at which you two are engaging in that conversation. It's fascinating. Yeah. Certainly yeah. much more sophisticated dating than I engaged in. <laughs> like it can tell me a lot about that other person, right? Just that openness to like, hey, here's a slightly awkward moment. How are we going to deal with this awkward moment? Because if it's awkward on top of awkward, I know that's not going to work, right? If it's just awkward and we can be like, huh, this is awkward. How do you want to do this? That's it, right? Like that's a second date right there. That might, might even be like, let's go grab dinner, right? So it's really important that you sort of monitor, is this going to be something that we can talk about? Or is it not? And I think that's important to keep your eye on as you go through. And also sort of how they talk about money in general. You can sort of tell a lot from people yeah. about people. Do they bring up things like how expensive things are? Do they bring up things like how cheap things are, right? Like who, they, what exactly they say isn't that important, but it's sort of the quality of it that's really important. Yeah. So you've got kind of the first date who pays for the first check, which ensues and kind of gets a conversation going. I mean, is there any other right times to bring up finances when you're dating or is there something that we should do to prepare for talking about money? What, what else can you tell us? So the preparation question is key. So first of all, you need to do your own work around your own finances, right? So like judging other people is like essentially my favorite activity. I'm not proud of that, but I've got to be honest <laughs> with, about that. Like, it's just how my brain works. I'm like super self-conscious now as yeah, your podcasting you know, partner. Well, I can tell your finances are all in line, Brian. Okay, sweet. But like, it's really easy to judge. What's harder is like doing our own work. Yes. As individuals, we are responsible for understanding our own beliefs about money, our own values around money, where we are in our financial journey and where we're trying to go. So like, that's on me to understand for myself. And 
for those of you who might need help, please check out our previous episode where we talk all about this. How do you understand and maybe change your own beliefs about money, right? So like first do your own work, right? That's the most important piece of preparation and it's going to make you feel more relaxed about the topic itself. And in terms of like when exactly is the right time to bring this up, I think there is such a thing as like too early, right? Yeah, <laughs> to like, too early for the FAFSA. Too, yeah, it worked out for you. <laughs> I don't know, Brian, that it's going to work out for that many other people, right? Oh, man. But once you and that other person have decided like, hey, we feel serious about this and we want to start turning towards the future together. So when you're able to have that conversation, which is a big conversation in and of itself, we've moved from sort of casually dating to some form of commitment to each other. And we want to join our lives in some way with the idea of increasing the joining of our lives over time. Then you got to start having this kind of conversation. Yeah. And here's the big thing. It can be extremely awkward. And I fully, fully get that. This is a hard kind of conversation, but the consequences of not having the conversation are way harder. You've got to have that conversation because if you don't and you get down the road and you find out some maybe new information to you, those consequences can really hurt. Yeah. So it's better to know early than late. I love that idea, that idea that having the conversation is hard. But the consequences of not having it are harder. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love it. Way harder. I'm writing that down right now. So let's take a real (laughs) example. Let's take a real example like debt. Debt is tough. A lot of people have it. And it's okay to a certain degree. But at what point is it too much? And, And probably more importantly, I mean, do you ask someone you're dating like, hey, and obviously this is not a, a, you know, a first three or four date type of question, but we're talking about, look, things are getting a little more serious. You like this person. You want to take it Mm -hmm. to the next level. At Mm -hmm. some point, these tougher, these tougher conversations need to occur. How do you talk about that? Should you talk about that? I mean, do you ask just, Hey, where are things at with, you know, debt, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you share a little bit with where you're at with student loan. And what do you think about that? Or, you know, what are your feelings? I mean, let's take this kind of having a hard conversation about debt. I mean, what would you do? How do you, what do you think about that, right? I mean, it's, it's tremendously hard, again, <laughs> tremendously awkward. And I want to say, too, that I've known people who've gotten into relationships and then found out that their, that their person had a lot of debt and a lot of, like, consumer debt, particularly credit card debt. Sure. That was shocking. And it completely, in sort of every situation, it completely eroded the trust they have, right? Because Hmm. if you make a legal commitment to someone, their debt is now your debt. And that is not a happy surprise. So again, conversation is hard, but the consequences of not having that conversation are harder. So I think when you're looking at, okay, we're going to join our lives, we're going to join, even join our finances in some way. So that includes things like splitting rent, living together, right? Any way in which you have some kind of common economy. Joint accounts. Joint accounts, all that stuff. You do need to get into the question, right? Yeah, I agree. You can schedule it. You can say, all right, we're going to talk about this thing. And, and if the person you're trying to talk to about it isn't interested in that conversation, well, 
that's a that's an important fact right there because if the conversation isn't open that is good information for you to know now yep so the deck question i think you sit down and you just kind of lay it out to each other you just kind of put it on the table i agree i've seen this in really working with couples and their finances and there's one thing to have debt and to find that out early and then to kind of work through it together, if that's what you so choose. Mm-hmm. It's another to keep it a secret and find it out later after things are more serious. Now, that's not just a money issue. That's a relationship trust issue. And that's a much bigger thing. That's much more difficult to overcome. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you. Getting this out early, important stuff. Mm-hmm. Well said. And just to make this other point that's critical here is that these conversations can feel like obstacles, but they're not. These conversations are opportunities for increased connection, for increased intimacy, and for increased love, right? Because think about when you're able to have these tough conversations, this is what brings people closer together. So if you walk into it with that attitude, that's what's going to happen. I mean, particularly if both of you are walking into it with that approach, it's critical to make sure that you know that this is an opportunity, not an obstacle. Yeah, absolutely wise counsel. Right, we're out of time. It was a great discussion today. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Money and Mindset. If you enjoyed our chat, please consider subscribing or dropping a rating and review in your podcast channel of choice or share it with someone. Maybe your significant other will appreciate it. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. 